for epilepsy, there is hope. Hey podcast listeners, Tori Robinson here for Epilepsy Sparks Insights, a podcast about epilepsy, epilepsy research, common comorbidities and all of the fascinating science behind it. Whether you have epilepsy, are a family member, a neurologist, neuropsychiatrist, therapist, neurophysiologist, scientist or researcher, Epilepsy Sparks Insights is designed to help you learn more about epilepsy from the other side of the table. I'm a person with epilepsy and some missing brain tissue. I hope to help bridge the unnecessary gap between patients, the public and the aforementioned. Because epilepsy research and science are cool. Last week, we spoke with Javier Saveos, an advanced nursing practitioner in epilepsy candidate at Beaumont Hospital Dublin, telling us about the invaluable, crucial role that he plays in the care and quality of life for those affected by epilepsy in Ireland. Today, we are talking to Kristen Goddell, a neuroscience PhD candidate at the University of Cincinnati, Ohio, and board member of the Future of Research. Kristen is also a former model and has refractory epilepsy. Get ready to hear about when Kristen had, gosh, what story, Kristen had a tonic-clonic seizure in a public place and those around her thought that she was doing yoga. I am not kidding. Kristen, please tell us about yourself. Um, it's great to have you here. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Tori. Um, I'm Kristen. I'm a PhD candidate at the University of Cincinnati in Cincinnati, Ohio. Um, I study the um, mechanisms of epilepsy in rodent models here um, for my dissertation. And I'm also a patient with epilepsy. I've had epilepsy my entire life um, and I still live with it to this day. Um, some days I have seizures and other days I don't, but you know, um, getting by and I'm trying to complete my PhD um, while I'm doing that. So how on earth do you manage that? Because it sounds like, and well, we've spoken before about the seizures, you have refractory epilepsy, right? So you're on these drugs, anti-seizure meds, you're still having seizures and you're studying and you're working. How on earth does that happen? <laughs> yeah, I, I have um, seizures. I know we've actually had to reschedule um, this session a couple times because I've had seizures um, and I wasn't up to par um, to participate. Mm -hmm. But um, it's, you know, it, it's difficult, but I, I take it day by day. I have good days um, and on those good days, I, I do my dissertation work. On bad days, I try to take it easy and, you know, do self-care, mental health, you know, all of that stuff. And I think that's just something you have to accept and navigate through when you have epilepsy because you, you really don't want to overdo it on bad days because then you'll have more bad days and, you know, you, you just want to try to figure it out as you go. But that's something I've learned, actually, um, having a high stress job and then having epilepsy at the same time. I used to try to push through, overdo everything, work hard um, on days that I had seizures. And it's at the end of the day, what I've learned is it's just you don't want to do that because <laughs> then you get more seizures and, you know, then you can't do your work. And it's not only the seizures, right? It's you feel awful in yourself and, and you know inside that because I've been through this too, then blame yourself Well, the seizure was my fault because I did this. But then I have to live up to these societal expectations and I must do this, this and this. And I think you get to a point, correct me if I'm wrong, but just like, like 
I kind of need to accept that I have to say no to things if I, and it's about quality of life rather than quantity of things that you do, right? Right, that's exactly right, Tori. And I know for me and you, that's difficult to do because we are very involved mm -hmm. in advocacy and we just yeah. want to like take over the world and <laughs> involved and do things all the time. So he says we are, darling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you know, eventually you have to realize uh, it's okay to say no to things. It's okay, and I don't like to do that, but for the sake of my health. Sometimes I have to learn to say no to things or maybe say, maybe I could do this, but my deadline is going to be a little different than it usually would. So I have time to figure everything out. And if I have a seizure or if I, you know, something else happens, then I'd, I'd have wiggle room to complete that task or deliverable. And, it's, and I think it's also not about, oh, I think I, mm, sorry, oh, I've had an aura seizure. So I think, you know, if I don't step back, that may progress into a more severe seizure. It's almost like I know myself, I am basically encouraging a seizure to come if I don't step back and chill. Um, say, have a bath or with candles and, or if that's safe for one, of course, and you're being watched and you've got people, you know, because that's a completely another topic. We do know that some people lose their lives as a result of having seizures in the bath. So, but whatever is safe and whatever works and you know, helps you chill, like my baby plants, I love, although some of them have grown so big now, I've had to move them to another room. Oh my goodness. <laughs> but I give them love. And they love me back and they don't talk back to me so that's good that's, um, that's what we need i have my cats and my cats provide me <laughs> they just like relax me and then i like to watch um like mind numbing uh tv shows sometimes like Same. i don't know you know it just calms me and uh, like a uh, modern family i like that show or i don't know new girl i don't know if you've watched these or have these um in the uk but I don't know. They're they're very similar to like Friends, if you've heard of that. Uh, yeah, just a tad. Yeah, we've just been, a tad. <laughs> we have had to like Friends, Friends, Frenzy. You should probably call it. Yeah, from day one, I think. Yeah, I've never actually been a fan of Friends, but I'm more into like the sort of the scientificy stuff, um, yeah. crime, all that type oh, yes. of thing, and of I course the classics that. like Shawshank Redemption, like one of the oh. best films or movies. It's, seriously, the best, Shawshank Redemption is one of the best movies I've ever seen in my life. And I love movies, but that one makes you laugh, cry, feel emotions that you didn't even know you had. And I love that movie. It's wonderful. It makes me cry every time. It really does. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, look, I think this is really cool that we end up talking about plants, about movies, about uh, baths and all these different things in your life. Um, and, and of course, your work as a scientist, but you happen to have epilepsy. And I just think that this is a great example of how diverse people affected by epilepsy can be, right? Yeah, and you know, I know a couple other researchers in the epilepsy research field that also have epilepsy. Um, it's more common than you think, but we all share mm -hmm. similar obstacles with, again, making sure we don't get overstressed or overworked and you know in academia or medicine it's really easy to do that but together if we make this more open and more inclusive and make sure people know we have epilepsy then people without epilepsy understand hey you know i know you're 
we're asking you to do this one thing and it's high stress, but you have epilepsy, so we don't want to, you know, push you over the edge and cause you to have seizures because if you have seizures, you can't do your work. And, and that's, that's not what we want. So it's good for people to know. And that's why, you know, I live my life um, with an, I'm an open book regarding my journey with epilepsy. And that's why, you know, I, I do, I, I have that stance, but yeah. Well, I love it. It's, it's truly inspiring. Um, it's really inspiring to hear just a bit about your story. But also, I think it's worth us saying that not everyone can achieve on paper what you do professionally and academically um, and that's okay so i would love to be doing something in a role such as you but i just know that it's not a possibility for me and that's really tough for me to accept personally but i'm kind of trying to focus my the the limited energy that i have and efforts and passion on something which is achievable um and that I think it's a really important message that we can bring to people, no matter your level of intellect, your um, neurological issues, not only epilepsy, for instance, but, you know, we have lots of, you know, to be high rate, say, um, cerebral palsy or whatever. Um, right. It's almost like not about your IQ or about uh, or your physical ability. It's about seeing what you can do, what makes you feel good. Um, and working towards that and um, something that's realistic as well as something that you desire you know it's it's very true and and everyone's advocacy story is different but you know it's choosing to share that and to make um what we have epilepsy aware aware to other people because believe it or not not a lot of people know like what to do if you have a seizure or like what seizures are or any of those things that seem so as basic knowledge to us, I mean, it's it's crazy. One time I had I, I had this strange story of um, I was at this meeting and um, I, I I get auras, which are mm -hmm, kind mm -hmm. of like warning signs, you know, but warning signs that a seizure is coming on. Although and, they are seizures as well, aren't they? But yeah. like a warning that a more severe seizure might come. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And my, my auras are fear. So I get really scared and I was getting this feeling and, um, I, I didn't want at this time, I wasn't open about my epilepsy. I got scared and I just ran to the bathroom and just waited there for a couple minutes to maybe have the seizure. Didn't come on. So I'd go back and then I got an aura again. So I ran to the bathroom and these people thought I, I, I was having like a GI issues, but no. I waited there and then I came out again and like, okay, we're in the clear. I was not in the clear and I ended up having a ton of clonic seizure in front of all of these oh, people God. who had no idea I had epilepsy. And I'm um, like, you know, it's, it's the whole shebang. It's, it's not great. Um, um, you know, I'm going into, it was like a two minute seizure, which was also really bad. And yeah. they didn't call the ambulance or anything. That's a whole other issue. They had no idea what epilepsy was. Well, they I, thought oh, I was doing, they thought I was doing yoga. Like Are you kidding me? Oh my goodness. was yoga. And it's like, what? I don't know what kind of yoga you're doing, but that is the opposite of what these relaxing oh. stretches are. But I mean, that's because I didn't tell them I had epilepsy because I, I didn't want to share that. And I, at the time I was ashamed of it and I didn't want anyone to know because, you know, I, before, you know, not, it wasn't always like 
the time we're living in now where people are open about things. When I was growing up, um, people made fun of you for having epilepsy. They didn't understand it. They didn't want to be your friend. They didn't want to work with you. So I kept it on the DL. Um, but not anymore after that, after a bunch of different things that have happened to me. And that's why it's so important to tell people I have epilepsy. This is how, this is what happens to me with, um, you can even have like seizure action plans when you go to like your workplace or it's like project management, man. Okay. <laughs> if you think I'm going to have a seizure or I've got some inkling myself, this is what we do, you know? Um, yeah. And because if you are, I mean, you know this now, right? But the more open you are about it and the more educated you are as the person with epilepsy, the more confident you are to explain it to other people. And then when you explain it in, a, you know, at least a semi-articulate sort of, knowledgeable manner then those people are more confident in accepting what you say and right. behaving in the right way um although right isn't the right word but you know what i mean in a way that is appropriate um both medically and socially um when you do have a seizure and that's kind of what we want that's exactly what what, what we want exactly and you know that's what we try to do or even um in academia I try to remind scientists, um, clinicians alike, to make sure that you know how to explain your research at a level that everyone can understand. And believe it or not, people don't really think about that sometimes. And we have, as an advocate and a person with epilepsy, I like to remind people to do that because what's the use of research and all these cool things we discover if we can't tell people about them and help the patient's population and the caregivers and everyone affected by epilepsy. So that's another way, you know, you can advocate if anyone here is um, listening that's in academia, you know, you could remind people to explain their very complicated research that sometimes I don't even understand and I have to read through multiple times. I mean, I can't imagine you having no academic background and reading through these really cool findings that, I mean, you got to do that as well. So if anyone's listening in academia, make sure you know how to do that so that when patients reach out to you or you're on social media or whatever, make sure you know how to explain it to them. And also don't get frustrated if people don't understand it's your job to explain this important work to people. So as you know, a fellow person with epilepsy, I had no idea of all the research that was going on behind yeah. the scenes until a few years ago and I'm it kind of well first of all made me angry like wow that would have really helped me if I'd have known that the the different types of epilepsies and all the love that goes with it that we are not forgotten and there is work being done but too uh, well you just most people just have no idea they don't yeah. know that they're not forgotten they don't know that there is money being invested in hopefully to better their lives in the future not enough that's another story but you know um and it's a completely utterly different language that is used uh it reminds me seriously of attempting to learn french at school and uh, i have and especially for the people with epilepsy we often have memory issues right so you try and learn this new word and it's like dude i really can't remember i think i recognize the letters in that word but i don't know what it means yeah i completely relate to that i like to this day i, I also have i struggle with memory um, problems and it actually happened in, in my second year of grad school in 2017. I had 
a very severe medical emergency. I went into status epilepticus. Oh, gosh. And uh, I think everyone listening to the, this podcast knows what that is, but it's basically... Just in case, yeah, tell people, yeah. You go into this um, constant seizure state and you don't return to normal consciousness. And, you know, again, if, you know, you're having this uh, seizure lasting more than, I think, like three to five minutes, you, you want to call an ambulance immediately. It doesn't have to be a tonic-clonic seizure that lasts five minutes right. or more. It could be another yeah. type of seizure that lasts five minutes or more. And in addition to that, you could have, say, a focal seizure that lasts a minute or 30 seconds, but you don't recover properly. And then you have another focal seizure or another type of seizure, and then you come out of that seizure, but go into another one with like a couple of minutes in between. That is also status epilepticus if it goes on longer than five minutes. And it's absolutely crucial that an ambulance is call, uh, called because that is dangerous territory. It's bad. Like you can, well, that's, I mean, that's not exactly what happened to me, but I, I was in this uh, seizure state a very long time, status epilepticus, and they didn't come out for a couple days. And they rescued me by putting me into this like medication coma. And then I, when I woke up from it, I was told that they didn't expect me to wake up from it. So it, it changed everything about the traje trajectory of advocacy for me and how important it is and how privileged I felt to come out of that. Cause people sometimes don't do that. And I was, I, I, I'm good enough, I, I could function enough to still do what I do. But the only the only difference um, that I had before that status epilepticus episode and after is I have a really difficult time remembering things. And of course, this is sometimes a problem since my job is to remember, <laughs> my job is to remember things and research and what I did and stuff like that. So. I have to like furiously write everything down and have my computer available to me to reference everything. But it, it's hard because, you know, you see other academics and they could just like go into their brain library and just pull that piece of information out and like, ah. Oh. You get so envious, right? And uh, admire them, but then you're like, so unfair. And it is unfair, but that's how it is. <laughs> I do, but it's, you know, I felt bad about that because I'm like, oh, I'm not good enough for this. And, oh, like, I'm not smart enough. But, you know, it's it's not true. You know, I went through that and now I have to live with this uh, type of, like, cognitive impairment. But I, you just have to do the best you can. And I had this one uh, clinician tell me that, you know, I shouldn't feel bad about that because there's all these things I can use and they're not a crutch. Like I should be able to use my computer, like sometimes during presentations, if I can't remember something, I just quickly look at it. I have a whole um, list of things that I should know, but I can't remember and that's, that's it. And it's okay. Um, but it took me a little bit to accept that it was okay, if that makes sense. It makes complete and utter sense, especially when yeah. you're not used to having that basic cognitive you know, dysfunction, which is what it is. Yes. Um, it is, yeah. And it, oh, you just made me think of a conversation I was having the other day with somebody about memory issues, and particularly with names. And that's really common amongst us a lot, but, but especially if you have, you know, a large part of your left temporal lobe removed. And um, yeah. so we're just having like, a, like you know, <laughs> not actually having the tissues, a little bit of an issue. And, um, he's, and this guy goes, 
Oh, don't worry, me too, all the time. I just can't remember names. I know totally how you feel. And look, he was trying to be nice. He really was. And I appreciate that, but seriously, dude, please try not to compare your memory issues with somebody who's a bit doped up on drugs and has missing brain tissue because it's slightly different. <laughs> <laughs> things are a lot better with me than they used to be trust me but in terms of memory because the rest of your brain does to try and pick things up a bit and you learn ways of attempting to remember things a bit but often in my case with rude words but that's another story um but yeah it's it's different and um we really appreciate anybody who tries to, to empathize and is non-judgmental right. hugely but it's worth just saying you know it can be a bit more severe to put it politely at times if you are especially if you're having uncontrolled seizures like yourself and you're taking these drugs which slow your function down and uh, stuff like that so just keep that in mind i think is a, quite an important right. message to people uh, i agree tori but you know I, sometimes i think people don't know how to relate when they hear yeah, something like that. exactly and yeah. i think it's also our job to understand that but correct them exactly in a nice way yeah, yeah in not, we shouldn't yeah. be judging them either because they don't understand no, what it's they like they want to understand they just don't know how at first and that's yeah. okay too because that that goes back to advocacy and that's why you know you need to be open about everything when you feel comfortable because again for years i didn't feel comfortable and it took me a little bit to you know be comfortable with the fact that you know i have epilepsy I don't know if this is ever going to go away so i need to figure out you know how to live with it and how to not embrace it but be empowered and yeah. like, i have this and now my job is to educate other people about this so you know other patients with epilepsy don't have to continue to live with stigma because you know what me and tori are doing you know we're trying to break that stigma eventually so you know young kids or the next generation doesn't have to go what we went what we went through with um trying to navigate um this very strange world of epilepsy totally and i would also say it's important that we don't forget the older generation too who often at least in the past went through even greater stigma uh, levels of stigma sometimes and they should, um, I, I want to encourage them to, you know, reach out to the sort of people who are open about their epilepsy, like yourself. Not, I'm not saying about conversation necessarily, because you are so in demand, darling. But just, you know, it's not just about educating the younger people, because that is a, so important and it's trendy. But also there are heaps of older people with epilepsy who've been through the mill, um, don't have anyone to talk to. And in fact, uh, you know, there's an increasing rate of epilepsy amongst older people as we live longer. So there's more strokes, which can bring on epilepsy and stuff like that. So I think it's important that there is a place for people, for the older generation to go when they develop epilepsy. I 100% agree with that. I actually know somebody who developed epilepsy last year as a result of a stroke. And, really? Uh, yeah, because you wow. hear about it all the time. Yeah, it was a more yeah. elderly gentleman, um, but he's lost so much cognitive function. He's learning to um, speak again now. Um, but I has, you know, friends contact me. This is on Facebook saying, it's actually family and saying, what do we wow. do, Tori? They'd never known what to do, even though they knew I had epilepsy because I didn't have oh. seizures in front. Yeah, I know, right? So it's yeah. like, hmm. But I guess the amazing, brilliant thing is they did reach out 
and they knew they could reach out to me and and I'd just be blunt as anything say oh gosh that's a bit rude word right let's you know tell me a bit more and however gosh I'm, I'm ranting here aren't I what is absolutely crucial and no doubt you'll agree is don't expect people like you and I to be epileptologists or neurologists unless right. of course we are medically trained in, in uh, like that but we are not here to provide advice on medication on treatments on uh, you know what you you an individual should do with your life because it's such a complex disease but you know what you're doing tori is truly amazing you're connecting all types of people that are in the epilepsy world or patients of epilepsy or caregivers and it's just wonderful i just i want to give you a quick shout out like thank oh. you so and this is just a wonderful initiative and i I just want to make sure you know that. Like, thank you. Well, thank you. Um, I need to get better at taking um, compliments. But thank you very much. That's really. But you know what? Honestly, from my perspective, this is so cool. It's fun. I get to speak to people like you. We never would. I mean, okay, there is not much that can you know receive a gold star uh, when it comes to epilepsy. But we would never have met have, have we not been talking about it. And you, so like you were kindly saying, you know, you're an inspiring person. And I think that's one great thing about the internet now is that, God, I sound, God, that makes me sound like I'm stuck in the Stone Age. So one great thing about the internet now, but anyway, <laughs> is, <laughs> that, <laughs> is that, you know, but we are meeting people from random places. It's like, dude, I've never even been to, you know, flipping, I don't know, like that part of Zanzibar or something, you know, but I'm meeting yeah. you online and we find that we have so much, in, well, awful thing in common, but then it's like, you know, I'm totally bored talking about epilepsy, darling. Can we speak about something else? Like, as we were doing before this, cool podcasts, um, movies, all this type of stuff. And that's also, do you, would you agree, something really important that we don't become defined by by the epilepsy and, you know, the mental health yes. that goes with it? Well, it's more, I, I feel like now we are friends and I, I'm yes, really thankful yes. for that. And, you know, friendships include other topics besides epilepsy. <laughs> So I'm thankful for that. Yeah, same. And and to be honest, you know, epilepsy can get a bit dull sometimes. You're like, mate, this, you know, this epilepsy is like you're going on. It feels like it's knocking on the side of your skull all the time from the inside, saying, "By the way, peekaboo, I'm still here." Rude word. And I'm like, dude, seriously. <laughs> so it's important to be distracted by positive people like yourself. I think definitely. So, also, I think what's exceptional about you is that you've got this epilepsy, but you are like talking to us mere mortals in a way that about science that we can understand things. And I think it's, um, you were talking about the importance of this earlier, but I think it's really important again that people recognise how crucial that is, both clinicians, scientists, um, and patients. Actually, often people with epilepsy don't even know that that's a possibility. So I would love for people to be able to follow your work and see what you, how you are actually doing this. Uh, have you written pieces about the epilepsies in, um, in layman's terms? I think I have. I've, let's see, I've written a lot of pieces about science communication and how to talk to the general public and policymakers and whoever you want um, about your science by asking questions about, you know, how to explain it and such. I don't know if I've written a science communication um, topic about epilepsy. I think, I don't think I have. Maybe I should do that. Well, I wow, totally. 
I, I don't think I have. Oh my gosh. Thank you for bringing this to my attention. <laughs> oh, I read about all this other stuff. <laughs> the British Medical Journal over here does sometimes have pieces uh, uh, from the patient perspective, which um, is really important. And I do think that we, um, there must be something similar your side of the pond. I, I have to put a pin in that and do a little research of my own to see. Write a note in case you forget. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. Funny, but funny, you know. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, no, I let me write that down. <laughs> 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 yeah. Can you tell me, what does the future hold for you, as far as you're aware, in terms of your research into epilepsy? What I'm working on right now is in a field called um, like anti-epileptogenic um, therapies or disease-modifying therapies. And that basically means, so like right now, me and you, Tori, we take anti-seizure medications. And those anti-seizure medications suppress the seizures from happening. If I don't take these medications, then I'm going to have seizures. Versus um, this field called anti-epileptogenic therapies. This means that, you know, if we were to develop something for people with epilepsy to take, it would actually prevent them from developing epilepsy, which is completely different than suppressing seizures. So that's kind of um, the field that my research is in. And I'm looking at this pathway in your cells that basically has been linked to um, like a hyper excitation of your cells or your cells getting super excited, which then mm -hmm. leads to seizures. And um, in the literature, there have been studies published where in genetic epilepsies, um, they give this drug called rapamycin. And what rapamycin does, it actually suppresses part of this cell pathway, which then leads to a decrease in seizures and then a decrease in pathologies related to seizures. Now, in acquired epilepsies, like temporal of epilepsy, which is one of the most common forms of epilepsy, this, yeah, this, this has not been studied. And we don't know if this drug can work. We don't know the mechanism of action with this specific epilepsy. So my research is actually creating a model to mimic that drug and then seeing, you know, if I knock out this part of the pathway, are seizures going to emerge? Are you know are the pathologies going to emerge? And I study a very specific little cell population to see um, you know what will happen if I manipulate that part. But basically, what this research is going to show us is if this cell pathway is really important in um, the development of temporal of epilepsy. And if we figure that out, then we're like, ooh, we can target this part of the brain with these specific cells. And if that happens, we could prevent the development of this type of epilepsy eventually. But a lot of basic science is just kind of exploratory and we're trying to figure out, you know, where to put, you know, the help that needs to be, you know, put there for, I don't know, therapies. So it's, it's like a whole um, interesting field, but that's, I, I really believe that's where we're going in the future of epilepsy treatments. And that's kind of the overall goal of eventually, you know, we want to prevent epilepsy from developing in patients, but it's, it's difficult, but that's why, you know, people 
like me or my lab or there's a whole slew of other researchers that are doing this but that's that's where we're going and it's pretty exciting um but you know it's going to take time so it takes time and investment and passion yeah but it's going on so people listening whether you be whatever your background there is work and passion going into this research you know and we're hoping for positive outcomes with science you just don't know what the outcome's going to be sometimes and it's that but that's what can make it exciting and we just need to keep funding that so that you know in the future there will be more effective treatments and preventions and who even knows the big c word at some point um and that's what we need and which will be obviously great for patients but families and the world that's the goal one day and i know a lot of uh, researchers really hard at work at doing these studies but it just again like tori said it takes time and I know sometimes we're like, oh, I just want to like not have epilepsy anymore. But, mm. you know, people are working like day and night on this stuff. And, you know, the federal agencies and, you know, whatever country you're in are help are funding this research. And, you know, it's going to be OK one day. But we just have to figure out what's happening. Like there's a, there's a bunch of stuff happening in the brain, but sometimes we don't know how like like this event A is interacting with event B and we don't know how it's all like mushing together. So. <laughs> mushing together, my goodness. That's such a good word. That is how my brain feels sometimes. Um, so everybody knows, um, if you haven't yet checked on epilepsy sparks, there, um, dot com, there's a page which is um, solely for epilepsy research labs. So check that out. Um, so you can learn more about the research that is going on around the world, um, which hopefully encourage you to know yep there's hope so thank you so much for your time Kristen it's been so lovely talking to you and just quite frankly inspiring and we look forward to hearing more about you and your work and looking after oneself and and all of, all of that jazz thank you so much oh, thank you Tori thank you to Kristen for chatting with us her openness, humour and intellect, mixed with a passion to help other people, is inspiring. To learn more about Kristen, check out her profiles on Twitter and LinkedIn. Links in the description below. Next week, we shall be chatting to Dr. Colin Dunkley, both a consultant paediatrician specialising in epilepsy and the Epilepsy 12 clinical lead, based at Sherwood Forest Hospitals in the UK. Follow me on Twitter, LinkedIn or Facebook and we'd love to hear from you if you have any thoughts about today's show. Do subscribe to our podcast and know that we are always trying to improve what we are doing here for the programme. I'm Tori Robinson. Thanks for listening.